0: If you build your life on Jesus Christ, that will have a profound impact on your thoughts, motives, attitudes, and actions. In this lesson, Stephen takes you to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. This passage reveals various areas in your life where the transforming work of Christ should be evident. This is the wisdom journey. Stephen Davey is currently in a series from the Gospels, and he's called today's lesson To Judge or Not to Judge.
1: We arrive today at one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible. In fact, I, I believe the average person out there on the street knows this verse— better than any other. We're at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he says in Matthew chapter 7, here's that verse, verse 1, "'Judge not that you be not judged.'" (laughs) Well, about the time you suggest to people that God doesn't like what they're doing, or you tell them how their living is uh, sinful— they're going to pull out this verse. And they're they're going to evidently have it memorized and say, "Ah ah, judge not that you be not judged." Well, let me tell you, that's not what Jesus says here. We we happen to make judgments every day. What to wear? What to eat? What house to buy? Perhaps what school to send our children to? Did you know the Bible actually recommends making judgments? For instance, uh, we're told to judge unbiblical beliefs as incorrect. We're told to judge our own sin as unacceptable. The Apostle Paul mentioned a man sexually involved with his stepmother over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 3. And he writes this, I have pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Even more than that, Uh, he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2.15 that the spiritually minded believer judges all things. So we are always to make careful judgments between things that are uh, good and and evil, even between things that are good and things that, well, might be better. What Jesus is warning uh, against here in Matthew 7 is a judgmental spirit. You see, making judgments is very different from being judgmental. Judgmental is an attitude that is rooted in pride. In fact, Jesus warns here in verse 2, With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you're going to if you're going to be self-righteous toward other people, you're going to have this judgmental, arrogant spirit. Well, it's going to come back to haunt you in the end. Now, Jesus illustrates that arrogant spirit here in in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or or how can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye" when there is a log in your own eye. Jesus is actually making a humorous exaggeration here to make a point. You got this huge log sticking out of your eye while you're trying to perform delicate surgery to take a speck out of your friend's eye. You're only going to do more damage. By the way, the speck and the log are made out of the same material, You know, isn't it true that the sin we struggle with is the same sin we so easily see in other people? So Jesus is effectively telling us to deal with our own sin and then, with with a humble spirit, help others also. Now Jesus goes on to say here in verse 6, "...do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot." and turn to attack you. Jesus is more than likely referring to the meat priests offered on the altar, and the priest would would never throw uh, that which was sacred, some part of the offering, to some scavenging uh, dog nearby. In the same way, uh, you wouldn't take something that's valuable, like, like your pearl necklace, and put it around the neck of a pig. Well, who are the dogs uh, and the pigs Here in this verse, you need to know that in the New Testament writings of of Paul and Peter, these terms are used to describe those who reject salvation, who defy God in their arrogance, who choose to stop up their ears to the gospel and live filthy lives like dogs and pigs. Now, uh, with that, uh, Jesus begins to focus on those who are living the life they should be living as followers of Christ. He says here in verse 7 Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, the verb tenses Jesus uses indicate this is continual action. You keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now, the emphasis here is on persistence in praying, not not some kind of magical promise. You're going to receive whatever you want because you're praying. God will give us what he wants us to have. In fact, you might be knocking on one door and God opens another. He knows what's best for you. This principle, I think, is best exemplified when Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. Now the gospel of Luke adds to this account recording that that Jesus says this And as you wish that others would do to you do so to them that's Luke 6:31 Now this statement is known as as the golden rule and and it is golden isn't it in the world where you know people treat others like they get treated Jesus again raises the bar in fact he goes on to say in verse 35 Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You know, treating people like this is going to become a powerful and and very unique testimony to your lost and and self-centered world. Now, back here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says in verse 13, "'Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that leads to destruction.'" Now, in these ancient days, walled cities had wide gates uh, for two-way traffic. At night, those gates would be closed, and a small door nearby was used to allow individuals to enter one at a time. Uh, basically, Jesus is saying here that the way into his kingdom is that side door, that little small door. Yes, it's a, it's a narrow door, but keep in mind that narrow doesn't refer to you know so much to size, as it does to uh singularity there there's there's only one door, there's only one way into the kingdom of heaven, like Jesus said over in John fourteen six "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus even said in John chapter ten and verse nine, "I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. See, there aren't many doors into God's house. There's only one. And Jesus says, (laughs) I am that door. Let me tell you, if there were many ways to God, uh, don't you think that uh, Jesus would have been smart enough to just point out one of those other ways and save himself the agony of dying on the cross? No, the truth is, Jesus is the only door, the only way, and that's why he came to die for you and me. Now, with that, Jesus goes on to warn of false teachers here in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, they look harmless, but they have an appetite for lamb. Now, we often think of, of a false teacher here dressed up to look like a sheep, but I don't, I don't think that's the idea at all. The shepherd wore wool clothing that came from the sheep. The false teacher isn't trying to look like one of the sheep. He's trying to look like one of the shepherds so he can lead the sheep astray. Well, how do you spot a false shepherd? Jesus answers here in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. That is by by what they produce in their lives. They're going to enrich their own lives, even if the flock suffers financially. They're going to mistreat the flock. This could be sexual mistreatment. This could be physical abuse, abuse of power. It could be any number of things. They're going to point the sheep, by the way, to themselves rather than to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Frankly, they're not interested in feeding the flock. They want to fleece the flock for their own gain. Jesus says that that one day they're going to stand before him, and he's going to say to them here in verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Well, finally, Jesus illustrates the stability of a life that's built on on the rock-solid truths of, of God's word. He says here in verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Well, beloved, are you making wise judgments today? Are you building your life on the truth of Scripture? If you are, well, let the rains fall, let the floods fall come. You're anchored to the true shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, with that, we're out of time. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: If you've been following this wisdom journey for a while, you might enjoy receiving additional insight and encouragement from Stephen. Would you be interested in receiving occasional text messages and updates from him? Go ahead and sign up by sending the keyword WISDOM to 833-676-4051. I'm Scott Wiley. And for Stephen and all of us here at Wisdom International, I want to thank you for listening. Please join us again next time as we continue traveling along this wisdom journey.